Welcome back to our study through the book of Isaiah. My name is Gregory Baines, and I am on staff here at First Baptist Keller, and I'm blessed to be sharing from God's Word with you today. So please take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter 40. Last week, we looked at Hezekiah's prayer in the temple and God's response in Isaiah 37, and today we'll look at Isaiah 40, which comes right after Isaiah 39. And in Isaiah 39, Isaiah tells Hezekiah of the coming Babylonian captivity. Then, here in chapter 40, God gives Isaiah a prophetic word about the coming Messiah, as well as many descriptions of who God is and what he does for those who will wait for him. This chapter is full of truth about God's nature, and we will see that there is no one like the Lord. Now let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our study today. Father, we are people um, who need you, who need your word, and we thank you that you have revealed yourself and who you are to us in it, that you have um, been gracious and kind to us and given us everything we need for life and godliness. So this morning, Father, we want to hear from you through your word and ask that you would speak to us. Thank you that you are good and faithful. Um, Help us to not just be hearers of this word this morning, but doers also. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, let's look at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice is calling. Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make a smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. And let the rough ground become a plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, call out. Then he answered, what shall I call out? All flesh is like grass, and all his loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. Lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, Here is your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. Now, parts of this passage are probably familiar to you. Uh, verses 3 through 5 are quoted in, in Luke 3, uh, talking about John the Baptist. Verse 5 is the text of a chorus in Handel's Messiah, if you've ever um, been privileged to hear that. Um, verse 6 through 8 is quoted by Peter in 1 Peter 1. Um, this is prophecy of the coming Messiah and his eternal kingdom, too. Um, Then we get to verse 12, and this is where a lot of kind of rhetorical questions are asked. So let's read here Isaiah 40, 12 through 17. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens by the span and calculated the dust of the earth by the measure and weighed the mountains in a balance and the hills in a pair of scales? 
who has directed the Spirit of the Lord, or as his counselor has informed him? With whom did he consult, and who gave him understanding? And who taught him in the path of justice, and taught him knowledge, and informed him of the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket, and are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. Behold, he lifts up the islands like fine dust. Even Lebanon is not enough to burn, nor its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are regarded by him as less than nothing and meaningless. Um, read through this section this week. Praise God for who he is. See how many different things you can find about who God is in this section. This leads us here um, into our passage for study. Uh, but I just wanted to read 1 through 17 because I feel like, man, this is such a rich chapter and didn't want you to miss out. But read through those verses this week. Um, that's your homework and, and grow closer to the Lord because of it. But um, we're going to look today and, and really break down verses 18 through 31. Um, so I'm going to read all that together and then we'll come back and, and break it down into little chunks. Here's verse 18, Isaiah 40. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare with him? As for the idol, a craftsman casts it, a goldsmith plates it with gold, and a silversmith fashions chains of silver. He who is too impoverished for such an offering selects a tree that does not rot. He seeks out for himself a skillful craftsman to prepare an idol that will not totter. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He it is who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they been planted, scarcely have they been sown, scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth, but he merely blows on them, and they wither, and the storm carries them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me, that I would be his equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars, the one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. So that's a big chunk right there. We're going to break it down. Let's look at verses 18 through 22. To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness will you compare with him? Who is like God? What can you compare with God? Nothing. God is, is jealous, and I think that's a hard thing for us to understand sometimes because jealousy is always wrong for us. Um, but God is the greatest thing that is. Um, 
So for him not to be jealous would be an evil thing. And, and he is jealous for his glory and for people to worship him rightly as well. This is why it's the second commandment in Exodus 20, not to make anything and call it God and worship it. This is idolatry. So when the Israelites failed in this point, God takes it very seriously. He has Moses grind up the golden calf into powder and dump it in the water and makes them drink it, uh, which just sounds awful. I don't know if you've ever had that metallic taste when you drink something from a, a metal cup or something, but I can't imagine drinking gold dust. That seems awful. But why does God do this? Because God is a jealous God. He wants the Israelites to remember, no, this is not worthy. I am the only one that is worthy. And when we worship something that's made and say it's God, we're not truly worshiping because he is unlike any created thing. There is no likeness we can put on him. (laughs) Psalm 115 talks about idolatry and idols. uh, Verses 1 through 8. If you have your Bible, turn over there real quick. Psalm 115. Verse 1, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory because of your loving kindness, because of your truth. Why should the nations say, where now is their God? But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of man's hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have ears, but they cannot see. Um, eyes but they cannot see they have ears but they cannot hear they have noses but they cannot smell they have hands but they cannot feel they have feet but they cannot walk they cannot make a sound with their throat and those who make them will become like them Um, everyone who trusts in them O Israel trust in the Lord he is their help and their shield idolatry here is a dead practice but it is the most, one of the most common um, pitfalls of, of man. Um, this is our issue, if there is one, that we worship wrongly. Our sin has caused us to worship things other than God, and it started in the garden with Eve. Um, don't you want to be like God? Shouldn't you be God? No. <laughs> he is separate. He is greater. He is on another level. Um, we see here, too, in, in verses 19 through 20, um, there, there are idols made of gold and silver and then wood if you don't have enough money. Um, I think often we feel like people worship money who have it. Um, we see here idolatry is not confined um, by your status, whether you are upper, middle, or lower class. Uh, you are, are still prone to worship idolatry. So we need something to, to change our hearts, and that, that is only the Lord. Um, so let's look here, verses 21 and 22. This is the response to, to idolatry. Men make idols. Men make likenesses. It's wrong. It's, it's awful. It's a perversion. Um, but there is one who is worthy. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you that, verse 21, from the beginning, have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. The only true God is the one who is above all creation. He is the creator and sovereign, and nothing created can be compared to him. Have you ever heard a comparison of God to something created and it just kind of makes you cringe? Something like, we're playing t-ball, 
and God is in the major leagues. This is an incorrect assessment of who we are and who God is. It should be more like we're playing t-ball and God is the all-powerful, all-knowing creator of everything who is not dependent on anything and is not bound by space or time. Or as verse 22 puts it, it is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. God is so much greater than anything created that it insults his nature to compare him to any created thing. Um, This is why idolatry is taken so seriously in Scripture. So we see here, first point, God is greater than idols. Um, Secondly, God is greater than the greatest men. Let's look here at verse 23. He it is who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they been planted, scarcely have they been sown, scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth, but he merely blows on them and they wither, and the storm carries them away like stubble. So after comparing humans to grasshoppers, um, here in the scripture we read that, and we may still be tempted to think, but what about nations? They have some sort of hold on land and power, right? No, no. God merely blows and they wither away and his storm carries them away like like stubble. Now we live in one of the greatest nations that has ever existed, both in power and influence. We have the greatest military force that the world has ever seen. Still, in a moment, God could blow us away and we could cease to exist as a nation. This is why we don't put our faith in the ballot box. Our great hope is not found in the Constitution, but in the inerrant, infallible Word of God and in His nature, who He is. That is who we must trust in, because in a moment, it could all be gone. Now, what about great men or great creatures as individuals? Um, As we've seen, they are not like God. Um, They are grasshoppers. Verse 25, To whom then will you liken me that I would be His equal? says the Holy One. And I think that word Holy One is there um, intentionally as well to say that the separate one, the set-apart one, the higher one. God is holy and, and different and so much greater than us. This is why this is repeated in Isaiah 6. Holy, holy, holy is, is why we worship Him that way because He is so much greater and separate than us. Um, verse 26 is kind of a Just laying out of that greatness here. Lift up your eyes on high and and see who has created these stars, the one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one of them is missing. He created the stars. Psalm 33, 6 says, God breathed and and stars were born and formed or came out. Um, Let's put that in perspective for a minute. The, the sun is about 860,000 miles across and is around 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, that's pretty impressive to just breathe and that comes out. Um, but that's not all. The largest star is closer to 2 billion miles across and 100,000 degrees Fahrenheit. And God breathed and they were formed. God created all the stars in an instant. And when we read the heavens declare the glory of God, it is easy to see that they do. What a great God he is. 
but not only is he great in power, he is great in goodness and faithfulness. And we see that here in this, this last section, verses 27 through 31. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired? His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. God isn't unaware of injustice and oppression. He doesn't take a break from ruling the universe. We see here that God's understanding is perfect. He sees what's happening and promises to strengthen and renew those who trust in him. God is not confined by any human limitations here. Um, For us, we might say Israel's in trouble. God's going to rescue them. He's going to raise up an army of young men that are strong to, to go fight, and, and God doesn't need that. God doesn't need powerful people to accomplish his purposes. In fact, in Scripture, all throughout, God uses people that are weak to show off his strength, to show that he doesn't need us, um, doesn't need our power. Instead, um, he is looking for those who know they have no strength. He will give power to the one who lacks might. Here, verse 29, he increases their power. Those who trust the Lord and wait upon him will not be disappointed because he is a faithful God. Those who come to God with empty hands and say, Lord, I I have nothing here. I need you. Those will receive strength and will run and not grow weary and will walk and not stumble. Because their strength is not dependent on themselves. It's not their strength. It is the Lord's strength. And that's the only strength that is sustainable. Um, Everything else will wither and fall and be blown away. But our God will endure and his word will endure forever. So, application for us today. What do you trust in? Are you waiting on the Lord? Um, You say, well, I don't know. It's hard for me to tell. Well, here's how how you tell. How's your prayer life? In prayer, we are confessing complete inability and asking God to intervene with his great ability. Trust and wait upon the Lord. That's point one. Wait for him, trust him, depend on his strength, rely on him. Number two, do you have a high view of God? We often subconsciously ascribe to God human qualities and don't realize how much greater he is than us. Even in well-meaning comparisons, um, it, it is foolish of us to think that God is is like us. Um, I once heard a lady tell me, hey, I try not to pray about little things because God is busy and I don't want to bother him with my little problems. This is not the God of the Bible. God doesn't get busy. He is not weary or tired from our problems. We don't weary him, but... Um, We need to look in his word constantly to see who he is so that we don't begin to view him as as smaller than he is. Remember, he is great and he is different than us. Number three, this is it. How's your worship? Have idols crept into your life? Is there something you love as much or more than God? 
something that consumes your thoughts, money, media, family, food, the list goes on and on. Repent. Leave those things. We are so easily drawn to worship other things. May our worship be what it's supposed to be and and true and of the one true God.